Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast, presented by DraftStream, a discussion show about movies, gaming, and the unexpected cultural detours that color our life. Please enjoy your stay and enjoy the show. Wardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great Cinema Draft game, where daily fantasy sports meets the movies. And he's been kind of MIA for the leaderboard recently, but he's back on the Cinema Draft podcast to defend his crown title as the biggest DFS and Cinema Draft enthusiast. It's Nick Ringball. Ringball. How are we doing tonight, Eduardo? Yeah, what's going on, Nick? Glad to have you back in the house. Our Andy Cohen-inspired Watch What Happens Live style drinking game word tonight. That'll be the word high school. Every time you hear one of us say this word, take a sip of your sipping. Because tonight's pod will end up covering our favorite teen movies. A few high schools might be involved in. Yeah. All right. Have your drinks ready for this one. That's right, damn it. And, you know, I mean, as I'm fond of asking all of my guests these days, tell me something good. The world's on fire. People are going back to school, being sent back home from school. We're not doing the right thing. Tenet came out and bombed in the North American marketplace. Tell me something good, man. Uh, not, not much changed with me. My brother gets married next week. Fresh uh, cut today and ready to go. And then got to get are a we, beer. Are we sure that's good? Are we sure that's good? <laughs> <laughs> Do we like her? Do you like the young, like young lady? Oh no, she she's fantastic. She she she'll make a excellent addition to the family. All right, okay. Well, that that, yeah. well, that, that is that is something good. And since we're on the show, just no segues. We're gonna jump right into it and go to one of my favorite segments, and that is what we're watching. And let me share my screen. Uh, getting a little bit of feedback from you over there, Nick. Is, is your you everything all right over there? You good? Yeah, you said you have some feedback from yeah, me. Yeah, maybe that's just your hair. I don't know. You got some luscious beard that might be rubbing against the mic. I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I touch my face a little too much. I'll keep my hands down. I know. Did we learn our lesson that first month? I guess not. I'm, I'm not good myself. Uh, and I got to clean up for y'all. Appreciate it. Love it. <laughs> okay. Let me share my screen. Oh, another thing. Wrong one. Here we go. Let's do this. And the first thing I am watching, and I am actually one episode behind. I think five episodes have been released. And it is Raised by Wolves. Are you familiar with this new Ridley Scott series, Nick? Uh, I've seen the, the previews for it. And everything every time I'm on Apple TV, but I haven't checked it out yet. It it's something else, man. I'll tell you that. So it's it's uh, it's hard sci-fi number one, a hard sci-fi futuristic show directed by Ridley Scott, where humanity destroyed most of Earth in a giant religious war between believers and atheists, and they've sent a bunch of survivors because, of course. You know, Earth has been just destroyed. Uh, they've they've, uh, they've destroyed Earth because they're just you know, um, you know, uh, 
uh, a bit of a nuclear holocaust or whatever. And so they send a bunch of spies out on like a spaceship of art, or arc of a spaceship actually, to, and they stumble on a planet where there's already actually uh, two androids who are raising uh, children in the wild by themselves. So I guess it's kind of where they get raised by wolves thing. Anyways, it's dark, moody, it's fascinating, it's quite beautiful. Uh, and really stuck right to the first three episodes. And I think he turned the reins over to someone named Luke Scott, which might be his son, maybe? His, that comes from a relative. So that's kind of cool. Interesting. No, yeah, the, I, the previews of uh, they, they, it looks like something I should at least give a first episode to check out, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, it, it's 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 solid. It's it's definitely kind of creepy, but uh, I, I dig it. It's definitely unexpected. I, and shout out to Jaybird. He's the one who who pulled my coat on this because I mean there was like eight things I wanted to watch last week, and it's easy to get kind of uh, caught in the shuffle. With but um, but yeah, it's it's good. I, I enjoy it. And, uh, uh, Nick, do me, do me a favor, quick. When you're not talking, because I'm just getting a lot of feedback on your end. Okay. You just gotta keep that moving, but jump in at any time, please. Unmute yourself if you got something to say. Jump in, and we'll just kind of do a little quality control that way. And the other thing I'm watching is the Social Dilemma, and I'm I've actually seen this twice. I made sure the draft mom watched this. This is fascinating, fascinating, scary documentary on how social media has weaponized has been weaponized against the deep psychology of humanity. I mean, it's really scary, just like the levels of of psychology they really dig into and, and the way they've designed their platforms and apps to just totally, you know, mess with you for engagement. It's not even like that it's uh it's you, you would think that it's not that it's not necessarily a bad thing, social media, but like this guy named Tristan Harris, who's an early Facebook employee, said he said, think about a tool, because they like to call it, refer to these, these social media platforms as tools. But the thing about a tool is that it waits there, you know, waiting to be used. You pick it up, you use it, you get a benefit out of it, everyone's happy. The problem with social media, it's not a tool. It's always nagging at your attention. It's always sending you a notification or an ad or, or tagging you on something. And it's really, it's really kind of weaponized itself against your psyche to not only always be uh, in constant contact with it, but not in the healthiest ways at all. It's so I thought this was a really fascinating movie. They have like this, they have so documentary, you know, s- s- typical documentary interview style stand ups, and then, and then uh, they split it with an ongoing kind of like soft uh, story with starring uh, Skylar Gazondo uh, of uh, Booksmart and um, the Righteous Gemstones fame. He has, he's part of a family of teenagers who are super plugged in and you kind of see the stuff that they're talking about in the, in the abstract in the documentary side bleed into his kind of fictionalized story with him and his family and how he gets just kind of drawn into, you know, just the whole psychology of the internet. Have you, have you seen, or are you aware of all the social dilemma? Yeah. So I actually started watching this tonight before the, the heat uh, Boston game. And I got about the first 30 minutes into it. And like you said, it's, it's, it's very interesting to uh, see everything where you you don't. It's never something I guess you actually think about while you're on social media, and then how basically every every everything that you're doing, they know exactly what you're doing, and they know how to target ads or target anything towards you just from the things you search. It's 
<laughs> it's a bit alarming. I think you put in our group me chat of just how we're all just drones to the to social media. Yeah, they, they really know how to pull our, our strings on stuff. And let me tell you, I I'm giving serious thought to if not maybe not eliminating my notifications because I need to have some on for business reasons, but definitely cutting out a lot of them because it's just it's wild how they kind of uh, run that shit. So, so that's what I'm watching. What are you watching, Nick? So I've been uh, so I've been keeping up with Ted Lasso as that comes out. I love it. Yo, can, can we talk about Ted Lasso for a second? Let me see. Yeah, I, I can't be the only one. You notice a leap, a quantum leap in quality between the third episode and the fourth episode because I saw it. Oh yeah, I. I are you talking about well, what are you talking about quality? What like it's better or? Well, I mean, I thought it was like I always thought it was pleasant, and I was having a, I was having a good enough time. It was harmless the first three episodes, but I didn't get a lot of like laugh out loud fun. Right, I had a lot of like, chuckle moments. Right, it felt like the one note joke was kind of drawn thin. But when they went to the, how, I'm sorry, how far are you? In? Now, let me not spoil it. How far I, are you? In? I, I'm all I'm all caught up. I'm waiting for Friday's episode. Okay, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. So it was it was the, the fourth one where they have like the gala where I, I I mean it's noticeable. It's like disturbingly noticeable how much better the writing and how they felt like with their characters. But they, the characters felt like they're really being handled naturally for the first time ever in that fourth episode. It's just gotten better from there. And that was one that was written by Jamie Lee. Who uh, you might recognize her by face. She was on that. Um, uh, what's the name of that? Sh sh uh, Crashing. She was like the the love interest for an episode for a season or two on Crap Nothing. We put just Jamie Lee. Uh, yeah, she was the, the love interest comedian on Crashing, and um, he wrote that episode, or at least she was credited for it. And that, that just really felt so good. And, and from there on out, it really felt like Ted Lasso knows what it's doing, and I'm really invested fully in. No, yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, the first the first three episodes, like you said, that like you could you could sense everything, like the the jokes when they were coming and how they were going to play it off. But I, it still kept my interest enough that uh, I wanted to keep watching. And then is this is is this week going to be episode seven? Uh, yeah, I think so. So yeah, no, these last three have been a lot good, or, <laughs> a lot good, a lot better, <laughs> and. Uh, it, it makes me upset that only one one comes out of every week because I I just want to sit there and watch the whole season and see how everything works out for Ted now that he's, he's, he seems to have the ball rolling with his football club. Yeah, I mean, Jason Vegas, yeah, he's just he's good people. I, I like him. So yeah, that's that's an excellent uh, choice. What else are you watching? Uh, so I started. I'm really late to the party, but I started watching Community. Oh, okay. How far are you? Uh, I, I guess I'm on the fifth season, so I've really, I've really plowed, plowed through it. I had to uh, dog sit for one of my friends a couple weekends ago, and while while I was there, I just threw Community on, and I think I got through the first two seasons in like two and a half days, and uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I wish I would have watched it at the time. They have. Uh, did you ever watch it? No, yeah, actually, I think I watched the first four. It's like six seasons, right? Because they did that one season. Yeah, on two, I think that kind of ended it. Whatever. I think I watched the first four seasons, but I kind of 
Sorry to lose touch in the fifth season. And I mean, I would I'll say this. not a lot of people were talking about community. Uh, maybe we didn't have like a huge, robust uh, social media outlet for it or whatever. But I, don't, I mean, a lot of people really weren't talking about it. So we didn't really miss much as far as like being part of the football like that. It was constantly overlooked. A few people recognized it in its time, but not a lot of people talked about it. So you didn't really miss much. I got to end you getting a chance to, to binge it the first time because, because I mean, it was, I mean, right now, if I were to rewatch it, it'd definitely be like a third screen show, kind of like I do with uh, Friends. I'm, I've actually restarted watching Friends from the beginning because I've watched it all before, but like in pieces. And so I actually envy you, and that's usually on a third screen when I'm like doing other stuff in the other two screens. But I, I, I mean, I, I kind of uh, am envious of you watching the first time and are actually kind of focused on and catching all the sly little you know, third level. No, yeah, for yeah, for sure. Uh, I like the the Abed character, the the Indian guy. He join Abed in the morning. <laughs> I I like his I like his fourth his inadvertent fourth wall breaks where he just kind of talks about how he thinks he's in a TV show. And <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize the people like, uh, was it Jillian Jacobs and Allison Brie? I didn't realize that this is where they got their start. Or I guess, it, I don't know if this is officially where they got their start from, but I'm guessing. But this is, I will say this, though, the one thing you didn't miss out by not watching in real time is the evolution of Donald Glover. None of us saw that. Um, like I remember when he put out an album, I think it was between the second and third season or whatever, and I was like, Troy's gonna rap. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It, it's, uh well, cause you could you could kind of see it from the earlier seasons because him and Abed would sit there and let they it seemed like it was always the two of them, they just let them do whatever they wanted in that like last last scene that you come back from the commercial and they had rap they were rapping with Betty White one episode. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, she's everywhere. But, but no, I've 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 enjoyed watching it. I think I've got about twenty episodes left and then uh and then I gotta figure out from there. I never I never did get around to finishing Insecure and my one friend keeps telling me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's your next binge then. Yeah, definitely finish insecure. I mean, you've got time. I think they got renewed for like, I think they might have got renewed for two seasons or something. But they're they're definitely coming back whenever it's safe to film and stuff. But uh, but I mean, if if you really want to know like what, what the hype's gonna be about when the Emmys go around, and I mean, and Issa Rae, I don't know. I think she's got a shot at possibly winning an Emmy. Um, you'll you'll know why if you finish watching that shows. They really did some good work this last season. They really did. No, yeah. I I've watched I've watched the first season and a half and really enjoyed it, but I'm probably when I start over I'll pro- or when I go back to it I'll probably just start fresh, power through it because it's it's there it's I like the I like the 23 minute episodes it's a lot, it feels it feels much more to manageable even right, though right, baby if you if you're powering price squeezing like two and some change in an hour so yeah absolutely keep it tight and right. <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, well shit. Uh, let's keep this. Let's keep the train moving, since we are both avidly watching these NBA playoffs going on right about us. And let's get to our main topic of the podcast this evening: is the top five teen movies. 
Now, for those of you who are new to the show, the rules go like thus. One of us names a movie that centers on the teenage experience. We alternate picks. Once someone picks that movie, that movie is out of play. As always, guests go first. I've done zero research on this, actually acting like some of my guests now, but I've seen so many teen movies, this may just come to me naturally. So go ahead, do your work. We are separated by a generation, damn it. We probably even pick the same shit. Have at it. <laughs> so, yeah, so you were talking in our pre- pre-show meeting, which sounds way more official than it is, that uh, there, there might not be a lot of overlap, but I'm going to start with... Oh, I'm going to start with Super Bad. Oh, excellent pick. Way to get off the board. All right. And, and why uh, is that a great movie in your estimation? So 2007, I would have been uh, my junior year of high school. So this movie just feels super relatable. I, I wasn't a, the biggest partier growing up, but uh, I mean, I, I played hockey. So I was around people who partied and everything that they're trying to get a fake ID trying to sleep with the sleep with their crush and everything like that before they go off to college. This, this just felt, this felt like I was watching my friends on screen. Hmm. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed super bad. I think I saw it twice in the theater. Uh, I was that impressed with it. Um, I mean, it, it really, I mean, their, their experience in high school, a little bit different than mine, but all those, all the normal tropes, trying to get beer under age, uh, going to a wild party, trying to get the, get the, the cool girl, whatever, all that stuff, super relatable, very teenage, you know, you know, firsts and stuff like that, you know, last rides, all that sort of stuff. And this is the movie that made Jonah Hill a star. I mean, like we knew of him. We just didn't think he'd like really break out. And, and Michael Sarah was already a bit of a thing. Um, he had, he, I guess he kind of had that run during Arrested Development and the late aughts or whatever. He got Pilgrim, all that good stuff. Um, it's kind of receded from the limelight lately, but this was definitely like right in his, in, in his pocket. It was like an August release, you know, so we kind of didn't see it coming and it turned out to be like a sneaky hit. And it's from the whole, you know, Judd Apatow hit factory. He was an executive producer on this. I think the director was, who's director? Was it Evan something? Let me see. Who was the director on this? Yeah, I think it was Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen. And Seth Rogen, yeah, produced this. So, yeah, so oh, I hate the way they have to set up now. Um, all right, uh, Greg Mopola, there you go, who went on to do uh, Leaving Sarah Marshall and, and some other stuff. This is what Greg Mottola looks like? Oh, wow, he looks like Jim Ratch. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he's done a bunch of good stuff. Some some episodic television, super bad Adventureland was cool. So yeah, so, so this is and I guess and I guess it's the episodes on TV. So yeah, this was I guess his feature debut. Um, and it's really kind of cool where where uh, Greg Apatow has like an informal cast of of uh, a, a company or a troop of players he draws upon both creatively like on the on the behind the camera and in front of the camera and so yeah so it was really cool he gave uh greg matola his big screen start on this and i really enjoyed that movie that's an excellent first pick and so i'm gonna go super obvious because this has to be your next pick i'm doing mean girls my god such a great movie such yeah, that's a great pick. high school experience of drink <laughs> Such a great uh, high school experience. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, it was funny. And this is another one that we really didn't see coming. I think it came out in like May, 
2004. I, I mean, I remember the marketing was, was really slick and cool, but definitely wasn't targeted to me. But I, I wanted to see it regardless. I fell in love with this movie. I definitely saw that multiple times in the theater. I own, I think I owned it on DVD for a while until I gave up all my DVDs in 2008 because tired of carrying that shit across country. I think I've got this on digital somewhere. So yeah, it, this is this is the classic. Katie, <laughs> Katie Heron, <laughs> so quotable, memeable. Gretchen, <laughs> Gretchen Wiener. Stop trying to make uh, it happen. Gretchen, Gretchen Wieners was uh, was peak. Amanda Seyfried. Ooh, yeah. The whole thing, that whole Christmas the jingle bells rock. I mean, so inappropriate, so sexy. Loved it. Uh, and, and I don't. I mean, and not to go all into another podcast, but is this? I have to say, this it has to be Apex Mountain for. For uh, uh, Lindsay Lohan, right? Uh, yeah, that probably right. What? Because she has ever been better than in this movie. Oh yeah, this yeah this this had to be the the peak of hers because she started to have her little mental breakdown not too not too long after that. I mean, yeah. and not only, I mean, we're, I mean, we're not quite the same age. I think we're maybe less than 10 years apart, but even, I mean, she was like young, but still like older-ish. So I didn't feel creepy, like, oh, wow, you know, it was hot. Like, you know, it was, it was all right. And she's, and it's just like so much promise. It's, it's kind of sad. Like, I mean, everyone else in this, to a certain extent, really kind of, you know, made names for themselves. Rachel McAdams, Queen Bee, Queen, Queen Bee of, of, of acting and, and uh, comedy when she leads into it, Eurovision. You know, that's not true. Lacey <laughs> uh, Chabert had her moment in the in the, the aughts in the late 90s, Party of Five. And Amanda Seyfried, you know, when she's not uh, accidentally uh, sending out the sex video, you know, viral video, and she's, you know, she's getting legitimate acting work. And she's, you know, she's a thing. She's She's uh, like a, a B-list um, top liner. So yeah, it's just it's just so sad that you know Lindsay Lohan's just. I mean, live your yeah. life, I guess, but running what she got, you know, you know, running like a, a, a some sort of resort in Greece or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's, it's, there's. I mean, there's worse worse things to be doing than running a resort in Greece, but. True. But, yeah. Lizzie Kaplan, uh, love her, miss her. Uh, she, I, I, I think this. I think this movie was uh, conflicted with uh, Lacey Chabert because she was on. She was Meg originally on Family Guy. I think this movie might have. Uh, she left Family Guy and thought this would be her big break. So uh, uh, it it might have actually backfired on her a little bit. Yeah, and also the, the, the un, unsung MVP of this movie, Tina Fey, who wrote it, had a nice bit part in it. Uh, also, I mean, she's going to be getting checked off this forever. Not just in you know, replay residuals on like TNT, whatever. In fact, they made like a Broadway play out of it, and they're, they're reviving the Broadway play of it. If we ever get the arts back again, the live arts back again. I mean, she's going to be, you know, she's probably added like a off just this one movie alone. <laughs> so that's my that's my next pick. Uh, that's, my, that's my first pick. What's your second pick? All right, hold hold on one second. All right. Do we need to kind of cut around this or are you getting like props? Is that for no, uh, I can't see. Okay. 
Okay, sorry. No, you're uh, fine. You're fine. No, I'm saying like when I'm, when I'm when I'm presenting, I personally can't see you, but the camera can see you. Oh, okay. No, well, t uh, Andrew came downstairs, so I didn't know if he was wanting to jump in and do top three. We do our top three, or if he's just watching the basketball game. He's just watching the basketball game. That's cool. You did you want to did you want to jump in and do do your top three team movies, or you want to watch the basketball game? You gotta make it. Is this a live show? I mean, I, I may cut it. This is a live show. <laughs> All right, he's he's he, he's decided he's coming over. He's uh, he's got a list. He's prepared, so he's oh, ready. Uh, All right, so then I guess it's his turn. We have to go. He has to do one. So, on, sir. Uh, hello, Drew. What up? All right, so what's your first movie? So, Super Bad and Mean Girls are gone. Yeah. Super Bad and Mean Girls are gone. I will take Clueless. Ah, shit. Are you, God dang it, that's my age range. You don't have to know about Clueless. All right, he's, excellent, sir. He's in, he's in between our ages, so we've got we've got all different going on. All right, cool. All right, Clueless, give us, give us a spiel. Why did you pick Clueless? Aside from smoking. I mean, actually, I hadn't even seen Clueless till this summer during quarantine. Really? Okay. Even though that's, that's my age group. I was a little, pretty much that's my age group, so I don't know how I missed it, but uh, it was really good. So, Paul yeah. Rudd. What do you like about Clueless? I mean, just, she does fantastic, and then Paul Rudd, before we even knew who he was. <laughs> it's hilarious, and I just... He looks the same. Look at that fresh-faced young man. He, he, looks, he looks exactly the same. He has yeah, an age. You guys see his, his uh, viral meme or whatever, his, his PSA about wearing masks. It looks the same. Ages. Yeah. Just a little bit of gray in his hair instead of all black. That's it. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I need to let me. I'm sorry. I'm like talking to you guys. Like, like the audience can see. Let me share my screen. <laughs> let me uh, share my screen so they can see Paul Paul Rudd in all his younger glory. Oh yeah. There we go. Good. All right. Okay. Yeah. So Paul Rudd. Our ex. Yeah, and also you know, rest in peace, Brittany Murphy. Uh, just just a gem. Ty. You're a virgin who can't even drive. <laughs> she was so good. Oh, I miss her so much. She was great. Uh, and yes, peak, I mean, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but is this peak Alicia, Alicia Silverstone? Did she like kind of like with uh, John Singleton? Did she do her best work first? I don't know. That I mean, yeah, probably. What I mean, what else has she truly been in in the last? She was back there on one of those Batman movies. She wasn't that great. <laughs> I don't know. Stands. Oh, Stacey Dash. Definitely Stacey Dash. Oh, bless. Bless and Mo Money. You, you probably haven't seen Mo Money because that's definitely of 97, uh, Nick. But she was so hot in Mo Money. And there was a big Stacey Dash phenomenon. And it came and went about as quickly as her being, as her not being a Republican. <laughs> now, now she's all magnitude, and, and she's totally lost to us. But man, she was hot. That was, that summer, summer of like '96 and '798. We loved some Stacey Dash, boy. Yeah, clueless. Oh, and Donald Faison. Oh, yeah. Hey, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Love you. All right, excellent pick. All right, so you're back on. You're back on deck, Nick. What's your your second pick? All right. I feel like I'm going to take one from your age range, and I'm going to go with The Breakfast Club. 
Very nice. That is in my age range, but not on my list. So, but I like the I like the spirit. Breakfast Club. Go ahead. Tell people why you like the Breakfast Club. So this this I mean I I feel like everybody over the age of probably eighteen has seen this movie. It's on TBS or TNT or something almost once a week, and it's just was it five 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 outcasts that just have. A Saturday detention and you sit there and you realize even though they're from all different social circles and everything like that that when they just you just get to sit down and talk to somebody that everyone re real everyone's got some struggle they're going through or uh deep down I mean we're they're all you're all human beings and it just it it's a good it's a good message that I feel like sometimes people forget about that it doesn't matter what background you're coming from, but everyone's dealing with their own problems. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's classic. It's timeless. I have nothing more to add. Uh, do, you, do you have anything to add on it, Andrew? Breakfast Club? It's got to be that group, but pretty much their prime, all of them. The Brat Pack, that was like a, yeah. a little too young to really to fully appreciate the Brat Pack. That was like the, the mid 80s. Um, I guess I was, yeah, I guess it was like 10 when this came out, 9, 10. But um, but yeah, it's uh, they were a thing. They all went and did interesting work. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. kind of joined it. Um, Less than zero, I think, is a thing. But once again, he's about maybe ten years older than me. You know, I'm too I'm too early to really appreciate like the whole drug aspect of it and everything. But yeah, they got a lot of work off this. Um, Pretty in Pink, I think, was like her next big film. Ali Sheedy was a thing. Um, Short Circuit. She was in Short Circuit, I believe, and uh, some other nice cheesy '80s films. Yeah. It's definitely set them up. Definitely set them up. All right, excellent pick. My next pick is going to be. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit. I'm gonna. I'm gonna steal from your generation a little bit. I'm gonna go mid '90s. Although it's interesting because mid '90s is kind of referring to. Oh. Is this actually your age range? I'm not sure, but this is actually a really slightly affecting film. Directed by, directed by Jonah Hill. This um young this you know young kid, it's like about maybe 10, 11 ish, uh, gets an escape because he wants to be you know kind of cool with his brother who you know Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges had quite a year back in uh, 2018. Like he was in this, he was in a great film with Julia Roberts that nobody saw that had me just bawling my eyes out too. Um, Lucas had is really a uh, total 180 for that other character. Plays that bit of a screw up, um, older brother to the young kid, and he gets in kind of lured into skating culture, uh, skating culture in the mid 90s, uh, in Santa Monica, Santa Monica, West Side of LA, that type of stuff. And it's just really good. I really enjoyed it. Really strong directorial debut by Jonah Hill. And I kind of went under the radar. Like, he, was, he did the circuit, he was on everyone's podcast, did all the interviews and stuff, but I just feel like kind of went under the radar. So I'm putting mid-90s out there just so people can rediscover it, hopefully. No, yeah, I, I, this, this didn't come out in theaters anywhere near the St. Louis area, so uh, we basically just had to wait for, uh, I think it, I think it's on Hulu, or it was on Hulu. I caught it, I caught it about a year or so ago, and it's, uh, it's just, a, it's a well-paced movie. I mean, there's nothing overly exciting in it, but it keeps your interest the whole time. And but I, I, I'm really guilty of staring at my phone during movies or slow parts. And this was one of the few movies where I, I watched it the whole time.
Yeah, and it's not like it's like a big action thriller or anything. It's just a lot of you know people talking, not so much in rooms, but like in skate parks or or you know hanging out and stuff. And but it just really gets you inside the mind of this kind of like lonely, disaffected kid over in in you know uh, west side of LA. His parents, his mom's a mess. Dad's not really around. I mean, I. I, would, I mean, my mom's not a mess. I love you, craft mom. But my dad wasn't around. So I kind of, you know, relate to that kind of dis disaffected, you know, whatever is. And so this is like maybe a decade back when I was like at that kind of preteen age. But I can relate to a lot of it. I enjoyed it. Have, have you seen it, Andrew? I've not seen this one. Put it on the list. Good stuff. Yep. I'll add it to the list. I got a heck of a list. All right, man. So what's your second one? Uh, I'm going to go back to the 80s like Nick did. I'm going to take Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well played. On the list. Not surprised about the snake. I, I begrudge you nothing. It's excellent. Tell us why you like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Andrew. Uh, I mean, it's hard to come up with a reason not to like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Matthew Broderick is unbelievable in this movie. Um, and uh, obviously he's set up to be something no one can be. But then Cameron is so relatable to like everybody. Uh, and Mia Sarah, boy. Woo, yeah, I was about to say that was my next comment. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, bring her. What, what's she up to? Yeah, well, I'll do a quick little rabbit hole on her. Keep talking. I'm going to see what she's up to. <laughs> and then even uh, the sister is uh, Jennifer Grey. Yeah, 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 Jennifer Grey. Wasn't All that Grey Walking Dead or something? Was she on that show? Uh, I think she was in something this year. Okay. Was Jennifer Grey. Yeah, she, I thought she came out to, of retirement to do something. Oh, uh, no, was, in Harley, was in Harley Quinn? Oh, TV series. Never mind. Okay. Interesting. And then you got Mr. Rooney. Mr. Rooney's just ridiculous in this movie. He's ridiculous. The whole movie. I think he's dead now, isn't he? Jeff Creed something. Bit of a disgrace. He had some child issues. Let's not go into that. Yeah. He, yeah. He's great in this role. <laughs> well, yeah, let's just stick to this role. He was, he was ridiculous. Trying to get past the dog. <laughs> trying to catch him. just. And I would say this is definitely peak everyone in this movie except for, I think Alan Ruck is having a moment for the dumb brother on Succession, the, basically the, the the Donald Trump junior of the family. I mean, he's, he's I, I'm not saying that, that that's, I think Succession has a chance to be his, his best role, but this is definitely you know, kind of peak Alan Ruck as well as definitely I think of iconic Roderick roles, I mean, it's got to be Ferris Bueller first, right? Probably. That's, I, I, I see Alan Ruck, I think, uh, I think of Ferris Bueller. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Nice bed um, head. I, I haven't watched Succession, so that would be part of the reason. Oh! I, yeah, I know, oh. I know. <laughs> okay, never mind. We're moving on. Um <laughs> We're not. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't kink shame around here. We also don't don't watch shame. But that definitely has to be at the top of your. You know what? I give you permission to bypass insecure for succession. Although palate cleansers, we do. You know. You know. Back and forth. Yeah, one for Issa, one one for uh, uh, one, one for uh, Brian Cox. It's all good. One for Alan Ruck. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. Moving on. That's that's unfathomable. We're moving on. Uh, what's your next film, Nick? Uh, bring us home. What's your third and final film? Uh, so you can pick it. Just pick it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do American Pie. 
Wow. I almost said American Pie 2 and then well, you know what? Actually American Pie 2, because it's we're doing we're doing teen movies. It doesn't have to be just high school. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Teen, yeah, teen movies, absolutely. Totally count, counts. So why American Pie 2 over American Pie 1? It's better. It's it's better. It's the, the simple answer. I I just like this one a lot better. I like I like the them was, I, I guess it's I guess they're still tech they're on Lake Michigan for the summer and you've just thought, it feels like they took the hijinks up another level uh, from the first one and you get I I believe everyone's back from the first one. I don't think we're missing anyone. I, no, everyone's Shannon, back. It, Shannon Elizabeth has a much smaller role, but otherwise everyone's back and then I think they realized the the gold mine that was Stifler after the first one. So he had a he had a little bit more of a, a bigger role in this. And what was I, this the movie? Or was that the first one? Which one? What was this? Was this the movie where John Cho gave milk, or was that the first movie? I I. I think it was that one because they, yeah, it was the it was the party right at right before right at the beginning of the movie, where he high fives or uh, he high fives Finch for it. So, but, so uh, American Pie two, we gave it milk. Yes, yeah. Wow, that 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 in itself is iconic. How do you come out the box, start off the second sequel movie with just a piece of pop culture that I mean is now embedded in. Not only just the cultural lexicon, I think it's Miriam Miriam Webster. It's like it's been like amazing. That's like a writer's dream to create something, a piece of of culture that is embedded into everyday speech. Wow. Yeah, that I I forgot that that's where this came from because he says it. Uh, Henry Cho says it, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, Mother, I'd like to. Yeah, John Cho, man, that's another guy we need to get more stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and when we're talking about talking about uh, uh, Dion Waiters award, he's been there for like what one scene, and he's iconic, iconic. Yes, American Pie two, well played. I like that. That's a good one. Um, all right, so I guess my second one. You know what? This one's fine, and it's kind of new, but I really enjoy perks of being a wallflower. I came late to this. I think I just watched the movie just last year. I really, it's really adorable, very much teen, high school centric. Oh, by the way, Andrew, after our drinking game word of the night is uh, high school again. <laughs> high school. Basically, yeah, basically the whole, um, I mean, I don't know what, what your high school experience was like. I wasn't very popular. I didn't really like high school. I, I actually I fucking hated it. Um, and I'm not saying like I was some super nerd because I went to a high school where everyone was kind of like at the top of their academic game. But I didn't really fit in. I also I like myself fine, but I was like desperate to fit in. So I found my niche on the outside. You know the kind of uh, the loners type people, or whatever. And so I can really relate to this friend group. Um, just like you know, you have the one girl in that kind of brings a little bit of uh sexual tension because she's kind of hot, but yet really cool, and you kind of hang out with her. You know, I really try to relate to this friend group, and it just really rang true, even though probably a generation and a half apart, it really did kind of rank, rang true those universal themes of being in high school, 
like, kind of like the trying to find where you fit in and, and, and finding your people, I guess. That, that's the big thing in this movie is finding your people. And Pittsburgh, yeah. You don't see much Pittsburgh uh, in the films these days, so yeah, Pittsburgh. <laughs> Have either of you seen this movie? Are you guys familiar with Kirk being a wallflower? Uh, I I haven't seen it. My one friend who wants me to watch Insecure keeps telling me I need to watch this one too. So, who is I, his friend? Bring him on the pod. They've got excellent taste. <laughs> I saw it back when it came out. Um, I haven't watched it since though, so I don't remember it too well. well I did know. That, I recall remembering thinking that I thought it was pretty good though. Okay, yeah, and, and this and this guy like uh, Ezra Miller, I guess he got, I guess he had like he got a hive. Like uh, people really liked him because of this film. I only knew him because like, that you know uh, that bit part of the Flash and one of the Justice movies, whatever. But yeah, I can totally see it. Very charismatic in this movie, and and it's it's a it's fun. And Emma Watson, another Brit who can totally nail an American accent. It's kind of annoying. He's too fine in this. Um, yeah, everyone involved. That's my that's my third and final. What's your third and final movie, Andrew? All right, um, deciding between two here. All right, I guess I would just go with ten things I hate about you. And honestly, I went into the pod thinking to talk about this movie because there's no way y'all were going to get it. But thanks for carrying the torch and bringing it up. I appreciate you, Andrew. Tell us what you love about ten things. Tell us what you love about ten things I hate about you. Probably should have picked it sooner. This is one of my favorite movies. So Heath Ledger, obviously, uh, Julia Stiles are fantastic together. Yeah, um, the dad choosing this. Yeah, the dad is hilarious. The entire movie, trying to talk his daughters into not uh, going out with any boy ever, <laughs> and he's trying to do fitness on his back porch. <laughs> yeah, and this is during the time like late nineties. Early aughts, where they where they all wanted to have Shakespeare adapt modern Shakespeare adaptations. You had the Vines um, movie, which was a, a, a girl who covers a boy in boarding school. And when I, in that show, after I got um, my book deal, I started uh, uh, doing some screenwriting stuff inside. I started going on a meeting. Everyone wanted to have um, Shakespeare adaptations and stuff because Ten Things They Hate, hate About You did well. There, um, I think they did Othello. Like they brought, um, they made Mikai Pfeiffer play like a basketball star, or, like a basketball school, starring Julia Stiles as like the, the Desdemona. You know, so she was definitely down for the, the contemporary Shakespeare stuff. And we would get across, you know, uh, LA taking meetings. Like, yeah, I want to see, you know, an adaptation of Twelve Nights or you know, uh, The Tempest. Where everyone was doing Shakespeare adaptations and stuff. And this was a Shakespeare adaptation of Tony and the Crew. Oh my God! And that's yeah, that's uh, Joseph Gordon. Gordon Levitt. Yep. And um, what's his face? Uh, um, Trumbull. Yeah. Yeah, I always I always want to call him Adam Goldberg. I get him and Adam Goldberg confused all the time because they look. I think they look very similar. Yeah, they do favor each other somewhat. Yeah, oh, this who's this guy? Yeah, Andrew Keegan. What happened to him, man? Yeah, everyone was in this stuff here. And then also Seattle, great Seattle film, my hometown of Seattle. And I think and I want to say they filmed one of these scenes at my high school. I can't remember which though. So yeah, this is we 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 got a lot. Of, oh, Alfred Andy. Man, yes, young, uh, younger Alex again. I've been, I've been uh, reintroducing myself and introducing the draft mom to the West Wing, so she's plowing through that and just loving it. 
So yeah, Allison Janney, young CJ Craig. So yeah, a lot of a lot of good stars in the making of this movie. Well done. All right. Well, yeah, we're gonna wrap it up right here with a nice because we're the show with no segues, and we are actually so real quick while I uh, go into our middle segment. There we go. Appreciate it. And. Um, there we go. All right. So we are, for those who are listening to the podcast, we're going to take a pause for the cause to bring those new to the game or the draft stream uh, alpha test up to speed on how the game is played and what Cinema Draft is all about. So we will be right back right after this. Movie theaters are on hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. DraftStream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet. No more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three types of actors for your 10-actor call sheet. Headliner, co-star, and day player. Scoring is based on a weighted average of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores, plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus, while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. There's a weekly minimum $50 prize pool shared by the top two non-Cinema Draft employee call sheets. Or you can go low. Cinema Draft offers a minimum $10 lowball bonus to the lowest scoring call sheet of the week. To qualify, your call sheet must spend at least $75,000 of your budget, use at least one actor from three separate titles in the talent pool, and, of course, roster at least one headliner, co-star, and day player to your 10-actor call sheet. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks again for your help and good luck. We're back. So we lost Andrew, but we gained Fletch, a.k.a. Chevy Chase, a.k.a. Clark Griswold. Uh, that must be... Uh, the va uh, holiday vacation. That's right, holiday vacation. All right, so we're back, this time with the quarantine movie of the week. Last week's quarantine movie of the week was Collateral. And actually, let me share my screen to get us ready for this week's quarantine movie of the week. And Collateral is great. That's the Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx actioner. And you can find that on our Cinema Draft uh on our Cinema Draft Twitter feed. This week's quarantine movie of the week is The Social Network. And this this is definitely one of my favorite movies. It's probably one of my, it might even be one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. It's often noted as, you know, the, the best movie of the, 
the 2010s. Uh, it's definitely one of the best scripts I've ever read. I remember I, somehow I got uh, an early like pre-production script of it about maybe nine months before it came out. I read it, get Sorkin. I read anything Sorkin. And I remember telling my mom, like, all I got to do is is set up the camera and and not trip over it and they'll win Oscars. And that's exactly what happened. I think Fincher won Oscar for director or something. Definitely, no, it definitely won an Oscar for best original screenplay. So Sorkin definitely won his Oscar off that. It's exciting. It's repulsive. It made something, I'm not saying it's unfilmable, but it made something very kind of dry and boring, like, which is essentially startup, entrepreneur startup uh, tech stuff, really exciting and, and really, you know, propulsive. They got the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score in on it, <clears throat> which was actually kind of groundbreaking at the time for them because it's kind of like a, a techno subversive vibe to it that really keeps the whole uh, movie moving. And I'm telling you, like, and, the, and it's just really quick on its feet. And you can even see it in the script. Like, I think the script, I mean, most two-hour scripts are about mm, 120, 125 pages. I'm pretty sure that one was like 140 to 160 because you just have, and it's, it's, it's Sorkin. It's all dialogue. It's walk and talk. It's rapid fire. I mean, which, you know, when I get excited, I talk fast, so I can appreciate that. But, uh, and just a, a cast of great stars who can really handle that type of dialogue, rat-a-tat-tat style, uh, well. Like that whole scene at the beginning of, of the movie and the script where he's talking about, you know, there are more uh, genius level IQs in China than, you know, the population of certain countries, whatever, uh, or certain states. And that, that's all in the script, too. So a lot of the, what was in the script made it to the screen, and you just love to see all the little flourishes that David Fincher, the director behind it, took with it, and really did make Army Hammer star in a dual role, playing twins, uh, playing the, the Winklevi twins. Just such a great movie. I loved it. What are your thoughts on The Social Network, Nick? I know you had to have seen it. Oh, yeah. That I agree with you. I think this was, if not my favorite from the 2010s, it was uh, right up there. I think I think we I brought it up for one of our drafts on one of the previous podcasts, but yeah, I, I love everything about this movie. Like you said, it's incredible. It's incredibly fast paced for a movie that like you, it should it should theoretically be a very boring movie with the content, but they it's fast paced. Everyone does nails their role. It feels like everyone's perfectly cast. Uh, th- this is I, this is should be a movie that everybody sees. I agree, and 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 just suppose it. We uh, uh, we watched uh, Social Network one night, and then the Social Dilemma the next night, and then I point out to the draft mom like, "Hey, that you know, that's Justin Timberlake." And, and Sean Parker, when Sean Parker makes a, a, a does a cameo on the Social Dilemma, I'm like, "That was Justin Timberlake." Do you see the connections? <laughs> so yeah, I love the Social Network. It's great stuff. Definitely looking forward to seeing. There's a bit of a spiritual sequel there that's in development right now. Uh, Bitcoin billionaires. It's kind of like the second act of what happened to the Winklevi after they won the settlement. I think was, I think they won $65 million in like a buttload of Facebook stock, uh, which they kind of flipped and turned into uh, into buying a bunch of Bitcoin like earlier. They actually bought one. Is, is it 1%? Yeah, I think they bought 1% of all the available Bitcoin that was available back in 2014 and kind of like their path to becoming Bitcoin billionaires. And so that's obviously pan, paid off for them handsomely. Um, I'm pretty sure they're over, you know, the butthurt of Facebook. But uh, the fact that they, they run their own cryptocurrency exchange and stuff and have had a really successful second act after Facebook you know, written by the same guy who wrote the book that the movie 
the social network was based on, uh, Ben Mesrick. I think it's going to be another really successful film. And I don't know if they'll bring, I don't know if they'll bring back Fincher. Fincher is in no small part, you know, a major reason why the social network worked. But uh, you know, I think the material is there, so hopefully we'll get you know the social network type treatment. All right, so that is our quarantine movie of the week, and it is time for our draft stream update. And yes, it's your boy, Swag Official, in the building who won this past week. Uh, I was about maybe less than 10 points off of the perfect call sheet. Had a lot of Julian the Phantoms. Julian the Phantoms set some draft stream records. Quite interesting to see. We had a 9.9. Uh, no, we had a 99 on a Google user score. I've never seen anything like that in my life. We've had some 97s, even a 98. Never seen a 99. I'm not sure if that's like a Madden-esque perfect score. It probably could go to 100, but 99 was pretty rare. And that's what helped propel Julian the Phantoms to call sheet dominance. In second place was Gamble 24x7, G24, the homie, the all-time cinema draft money winner. He came in second and number one or in, in tops in the money winning slots. And in her second appearance in the top five, Brown Baby the Draft Mom, our mascot, came in hot. Coastal Elites unexpectedly boosted her to the top five. Had it, I talked, I talked my shit on Thursday. Actually, maybe even Saturday about uh, her about her her chances because Coastal Elite I just didn't think would play. I watched Coastal Elite on th on Saturday. It was decent. It actually got better as the vignettes went along. The first two were pretty bad. Bette Midler, Dan Levy, uh, Issa Rae's was was decent to to good, and then Sarah Paulson's was great, and then. I damn near cried. Caitlin Deaver's final one, like like a good anchor leg in in, in track. She just brought it home with the real with the really good monologue uh, on being a a, a, a nurse, a, a, a emergency nurse who's brought in from Montana to New York to work with people who were struck with the coronavirus. And she had a really touching story about how she dealt with this one patient who touched the lives of everyone around her, yada, yada, yada. So if anything for Coastal Elites, if you're going to check it out, you can essentially skip the first three, check the last two, totally worth your time. Uh, and then, of course, The Social Dilemma, which we talked about earlier, which is great. So that was last week's. Um, oh, and actually, while we've got you here, Ring Balls, let's talk about your call sheet real quick. I'm not, I'm not sure if we covered it in the strategy pods. Tell us your thinking behind your, your, your construction here, because I actually admired the sets of it. So yeah, I, uh, I I believe I missed the week before. So I, when I was doing my research, I saw that this had a really good score. Or this Julie and the Phantoms was uh, scoring really well at the beginning, and then um, I don't remember what I saw in Mambo Man that made me. I think it was more of a price situation because uh, on. Well, it had I a nine point nine actually the time. And now, oh, okay, that, that is yeah. And Mambo Man actually set a record for our highest IMDb IMDb user score. It had, actually had a nine point nine by the time everything was said and done. I guess one other person came in through through thirty six ratings. It had a nine point nine. A thirty seventh came on and dropped it to a nine point eight. But yeah, so maybe it was just that nine point nine that, that thought made you think it was going to do great. The issue with that one was it didn't get enough. Uh, supporting scores. It didn't have like no one else really reported on it except for except for uh, the IMDb user score. Otherwise, oh, and Metacritic. Otherwise, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I, I was I was hoping it 
would come through with some other ones because I, uh, I, I work about five hours or I go to work about five hours before everything locks. So I don't get the last second. So usually whatever it's looking about at one o'clock central time is about what I is about the, what I roll with. So that's probably part of the reason I haven't been up near the leaderboard as much. I haven't got to check back in before uh, the eight Can o'clock central work? time lock. Uh, what are you doing or are you living? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I, that's great, actually. And you know, I know I say this every week, and I feel like every week we're so much closer, getting closer to the web app going up. I shared with you a slide of one of the screens we have. <clears throat> you know, we're, we're, it's looking good. Uh, I think we'll have a really effective mobile game about maybe about a month's time even too. So, so hopefully, you know, so, you know, apologies for the spreadsheet version of this. I know there's no way you can really cut and paste on a phone at work with this nonsense, but, and we do appreciate your playing the game. Keep playing, keep throwing up your, your call sheets, stay involved in the community. We love your ring balls. We love, and I'm sure once it's back up on a, on a web app situation, mobile style, we'll see you back up there again. <laughs> I do. I do want to give prep. Uh, props to draft mom though i i believe in the the group me about two months ago i said she would get a win and she pulled through a few weeks ago didn't she? oh snap you did you called it you called your shot i will make sure to tell her you said that and i'm sure you will always have uh, a warm meal available in the jackson household <laughs> once on the other side of this pandemic <laughs> and, and and i'm telling you i was very proud of her too we, we nearly pulled off what i like to call the jackson family box out through set through Sunday, she she was I was in first and she was in second and I was I was rooting for her. I wanted to see her. I mean, I wanted to see her get that second place. There ain't no way she's gonna pass me this week. But I wanted to see a nice little you know Jackson family box out you know crowding y'all out of the top spots. You know, get your little you know first and second place monies since you know we're both Cinema Draft affiliated. But uh, it would I, I think I think the next goal for the draft mom is for us to pull off a, a Jackson family box out. That's what I'm looking forward to. All right, so yeah, I, I, I hope she gets there. She, you can definitely I, all your coaching with her. You can see her improvements here in the last few weeks. And when she won, I think I was I was probably just as excited for her as she was. I didn't get to see her reaction, but it, it felt like you know what she, she she got it. She figured it out. That's awesome. Well, if you actually really want to see, there's um, in the hour-long pod from that week. I believe our guest was Steph Torres or All Latinx Pod. Uh, I I did like a separate uh, like nine minute interview with her with with Draft Mom on her win so that that's in there if you want to uh, backtrack and check that out. I, I need to go back and watch that then. So I, yeah, think, I guess I'm, I'm just if you want to jump around, it's timestamp for your convenience. So yeah, so we're we're proud of the Draft Mom. That's our goal for this week. The Jackson Family Box out atop the standings. We'll see if we can make that happen. And this week we got twenty hot ones. I could talk all about these because I created them, but what were your initial impressions of the field this week in the talent pool for the draft stream game, Ring Balls? So uh, right off the bat, uh, I don't know how well it's going to score, but I'm excited for Antebellum to finally be up. Or am I, hold on, am I looking at the right one? Yeah, okay, yeah. But Antebellum, yeah. yeah. I, I'm excited for Antebellum. This was the one I was looking forward to seeing in theaters pre-COVID. Um, there's another one on here that was, I think it was Penis or whatever they, no, that's not it. There was one of these shows that I, um, no, but Annabellum for sure. 
because Jordan Peele's the producer on that, right? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, and it's got a kind of peel factory vibe to it. Like it might be horror, it might not be. I hope. Well, there there might be some horror elements to it, but it's like light horror, like a social thriller, something I could get into. I'm not a horror guy, but I've seen Get Out, I've seen Us, I enjoyed them both, Uh, and this seems like the type of film I can get behind. I'm concerned. I'm concerned because the reason why it's 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 a salary so low is because the early uh, critical reviews are not good. Now we might chalk it up to horror as a genre not usually being you know critically reviewed well. I'm just gonna watch this regardless, or at least well, I'm not I'm not gonna give it a 30 minute. Run. I'm gonna watch this. It's Janelle Monae. I'm gonna watch this. Damn it. I love me some Janelle Monae. Also, Jay Devlin. Shout out to Jay Devlin if you, if he's been watching these these anytime recently. He, that's one of his favorite actors, uh, actresses actually is uh, is uh, Janelle Monae. Uh, so I'm gonna watch this and see what, what what's up with it. But as far as putting it on my call sheet, I'm not sure. Uh, I did go over some initial thoughts with the wrap up from last week on where I thought some value might be. <clears throat> we might be able to get some unexpected value from Baby, although most of this kind of baked in. It's in its third season. Um, Pause Unite might surprise us. You never know with family movies. And this is not animation. This is family. This is like, you know, uh, voiceover of, of animals and stuff, which I don't get down with, but I know there's a market for that type of stuff. VOD might be a hard sell. You know, I don't know if there are a bunch. Of, I mean, if it's on Disney Plus, it definitely will get covered more. VOD, I don't know. Um, I don't know. What, what yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I don't, the ones where you just do the, the animals, that, that's 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 how I felt like the new Lion King was, and I just I I wasn't feeling it as much. It felt it feel it it feels like it loses all its characters when they are their character from the characters when it's just like the it feels like the voices are talking over the animals instead of with the animals. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So so yeah. So I I mean I don't really know what to expect of Spideys Spiders. Um, but it's, you know, and I think once again, it could be anyone's weekend. Um, you know, we've, we've gone through our, 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 most of our experiments with the optimizers. We've shown that anyone can win the draft mom. She just, oh, she studies so hard hours every week to try to put in just one perfect call sheet. I love it. Uh, you know, gamble 24 X seven G 24, the homie who just puts an hour of research each week. I mean, anyone can win with the right strategy. So it'll be very interesting to see what com- comes out this week. I honestly haven't really started forming a strategy yet. <clears throat> I'm probably have to, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to keep my mind blank until Thursday afternoon and just kind of see where the, sc- where the preliminary scores are and kind of go accordingly with that. Uh, who we are, who we are. I'm curious about, and this is also this is a test too. We've never really had Monday performing, uh, Monday debuting shows in the the talent pool. So I'm very curious to see how these perform. If uh, I'm, I'm curious as far as if you know if everyone if these do well and everyone's on them, as if like the game's too solved. I might kind of shy away from these again. But these were too too high profile not to include in a talent pool. Like we missed out on ever having. Um, I, I think I may uh, I may destroy you that show, which was excellent. The Michaela Cole one. I don't know if you saw that ring balls, but that was an experience. Like that's and I'm and that's one where I'm glad we couldn't binge it because each episode is so heavy. It deals with a lot of issues of sexuality and consent that I needed the week off in between. So. Um, so you might want to check that one out after you get through Insecure and Succession, also in the HBO family. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so we never got a chance to cover that for the game. So I'm curious to see how these perform because I do want 
like if these work, I do want to include Monday debuts as part of the the talent pool. But when you've had like four days of data available, I, I'm I'm a little concerned. You know, it might be too easy for the game. So we'll see. We'll see. Any other thoughts on the talent pool? Uh, I've I've never actually watched Archer. I've watched. Well, let me rephrase that. I've seen the first few episodes. It's just one that. I've never sat down and just started watching. I'm sure I would love it. I, I am a fan of H. John Benjamin, mm-hmm. and I like the episodes. So I'm guessing this will score pretty well, but I saw you've got it priced uh, fairly appropriately. So I don't think there's going to, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be any value for it, but it'll, I'm sure it's going to be well over, well into the hundreds for its score. Yeah, I think I think a title like this because it's in its eleventh season. I mean, those numbers are kind of baked in. So if you go to the IMDb, if you go to to a previous Metacritic season, or whatever, you kind of know what you're gonna get. So so yeah, so this might be it. So depending on how the other titles shake out this week, I mean, if if there's a lot of low value, like 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 a, a lot of low salary value available, then it might be good to pick it up just on GP. Um, you know, just get the points. It might be a points grab because you know. I mean, I've, there's there's a very high likelihood this is not going to suck. There, some like last week, I missed out on woke. Uh, I overestimated it uh, when I set the when I set the uh, the talent pool. Kind of hard to see around corners when you know you're doing these on Saturday, Sunday nights, whatever. But um, something like Archer is a known quantity. The eighteen thousand eight hundred for. Uh, for H. John Benjamin, I believe, is pretty much earned. Like, it's not going to score less than 110. So there's safety in those numbers. It's just a matter of, do we need to go this high? Do we need to go up this high? Can we find value elsewhere? And that's what I'm really kind of excited about this talent pool, is that there's so much, so, so many unknowns going into this week. There, I had zero data on on Departure. I had zero data on Ratchet. Uh, you know, a lot, several of these Netflix shows definitely – um, I'm not sure if it's an embargo situation or they make sure that, that they don't get you to release the, the critical reviews until the day it debuts, but they usually have their original series locked down tight. So, you know, I had zero data on a lot of these, you know, so I just kind of had to go with kind of feel historical averages. Cause now we've got a nice data set with the master, uh, uh, the master score sheet. Uh, do you ever, do you ever go to the master score list and check out some of these, um, scores and sort and figure out what, what? Oh yeah, I use it. I use it for tiebreakers a lot. If I'm sitting there trying to decide between two titles, I'll go and look at the platform they were released on and see how those historically have performed. And if so, like something like Apple TV, you know, is pretty much a, for the most part a lock to probably be 85, 90 points. Um, when in doubt, I usually lean with Apple TV. Uh, was it vir- virtual? They typically score pretty high too, uh, but no, yeah. The, I use I use the master I use the master list uh, when it comes, especially when it comes to uh, for tiebreakers. You heard it here first, y'all. The pros use the master score list. Use your master score list, y'all. You can find it in the scoring tab of every uh, every. Uh, call sheet list right here master score list here click on that it'll take you to this and and actually i'm not sure because i'm always uh seeing it from a creator standpoint are you able to sort it when you're in it or do you have to make a copy and sort through it and stuff 
No, it's sort it's sortable for okay. the non-creator. Okay, very cool, very cool. Yeah, so definitely uh, use the master score list when you're trying to figure out your call sheets sometimes. I definitely refer to it here if I'm lost on how to salary a certain title. And, you know, we've got a lot of good data in there. We've got literally five months of data. Y'all, ring balls, thank you, sir. You've been with us from the beginning. You've been with us since similar draft days, but especially through this new adventure with DraftStream, you've been with us all five months. I appreciate you. The spreadsheeting is close to an end. You've been a champ. We've got so much great data out here now that especially when we go live on the web app and start opening this up to, to outsiders and, and, and new people, you know, you'll have a huge leg up having this type of data at your disposal. I mean, we'll make it available for everybody, but I mean, having five months worth of gameplay data and strategy will be invaluable in those first early weeks. It might take, you know, two or three months for you to catch up to what we're on to over here. So, so enjoy those, enjoy those early wins. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm looking forward to the website. I know the slide that you sent me, it looks, it looks fantastic. So I'm hopefully when we get that, or hopefully we get that up and running soon and everyone can see just all the hard work you and everyone else have put in. And uh, I, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Ring balls, appreciate you. And with that, we're going to wrap up our update and largely the show. Just remember, everyone, if you're playing the draft stream game, please submit your call sheets by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. You get a three max uh, uh, call sheets you can submit. We are giving out $50 in our prize pool. Once again, $35 the first, $15 the second for the top two non cinema draft affiliated call sheets. And of course, our lowball bonus. And actually, let's talk about our lowball bonus from this past week, real quick. It is once again G24, the homie just missing out on a perfect lowball call sheet. He had another, he had, he had, he had mostly had it pegged. The Duchess kind of threw him off because it looks like it had a late rally to get some, some more positive user scores. But yeah, the, the low ball is also another way you can go. Rules for that is simple. Try to get the lowest scoring call sheet. You must spend at least 75000 in salary. You must also use at least uh, an actor from three titles. And of course, normal call sheet rules apply. One headliner, one co-star, one day player minimum. All right? So check that out. Uh, get your call sheets in and come get this free money. It's not like you're doing anything else better at home in quarantine. Come get this free money. All right, so let's bring this in for a landing. Thanks again for elevating the Simidraft pod with your presence. My guy, ring balls, ring balls. This is the time on our outro. I asked for, for my guest to plug your ish. So go ahead, plug your ish ring balls. I don't have really anything to plug. It was great being back on with you, Eduardo. Let's Is get there this a uh, going on this week for for your we uh we oh yeah we are we are going to work on it. We are going to work on our team movies bracket. So hopefully we can get that up and running by Friday, and uh, make sure we'll make sure to tag Cinema Draft in it, and please everyone else can play along. Excellent. All right, and where can they find you and your your brackets? Uh, it would be at ringballs22 on Twitter. Excellent. All right. Good stuff. And once again, thanks for for coming on the pod, for your, your draft stream strategy. We'll have you back again. You're you're one of the OGs. We have we love you having been on the pod as much as you have. And you know what? Let's play us. Let's see what we can get to play us out. 
get some to play us out. There we go. Little hero music on the way out. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks everybody for listening at home. We'll be back next week with another great episode, with another great guest, and another top five. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next time. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook Cinema Draft, Instagram at Play Cinema Draft, Medium at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.